Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Good morning, and we've just been hearing good afternoon from Australia and other time zone we have here. This is the Global Watch, and it's the Africa Call, and it is the 22nd of March, and it's 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. So we welcome everybody to this call, and we just say enjoy the ride, because we always have such wonderful teaching on the Africa Watch. That's one of the wonderful things and that we can actually expect most time at all times <laughs> and I'm going to hand over to to Michael let me just pray for him and for the rest I see in Kems on and a few other of the leaders of Africa Watch thank you Lord Jesus that you have have this hour for us to lift up Africa and to ask for prayer from the nations lord we just say thank you that is a good hour it's an hour where where we are rejoicing because those of us who do live in africa can see such a good future but we need to keep on contending for it and to really pray into it lord we thank you for everything that you do for each nation and Lord, I know there's about, what's it, 53 or 54 countries in Africa that all need you. They need you as Savior and Lord. So we just cover this whole continent with love and praise and worship, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Sister Joe. The Lord bless you all. I want to say good morning, everybody. It's morning here in Nairobi, Kenya, where I am where the Lord has chosen to send me and make me a missionary to serve the nation of Kenya for now. The Lord bless you all. Good to see you, all of you on the call. Good to see you, Pastor Kim. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good to see you, Thank Sister you. Miriam. Uh, Sister Miriam, Mutabazi, the Lord bless you. Brother Sasanga, Ronald, and every single one of you on the call. Lord God bless you all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I'd like us all to start by all omitting and just celebrate the faithfulness of the Lord our God, the joy of coming to his presence. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 65, verse 4, it says, Blessed is the man whom useth, whom thou causeth to approach unto you, whom God allowed to approach unto him. A beautiful word there. He said, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of your holy temple. Why don't we all omit ourselves and just rejoice? The fact that God allowed us to approach to him, to walk over to him. There is no veil that separates us from the Abba. Yes. He is our God. He is yes. our God. Thank you, 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 Thank
for Adi. Thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for your for your you may speak to us, so you may shower us, O oh Lord, with the love that is from your throne of grace. That you may visit us again, O oh Lord, with the word that will bring us in alignment. Alignment to your purpose, alignment to your will, alignment to your agenda for our personal life, our family life, for the call of God upon our life, and the ministries you have committed to our hands. Lord, release that word that will bring us in alignment in our nations, in our continent, and in all the spheres of influence that you have placed. So we look up to you today, Abba Father, that the heavens will be open, that you receive, the, that we might be able to receive the word that you have for us this hour. We love you, Lord, but we know you love us much more. In Yeshua, our Messiah's name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to share my screen in a minute and I'm going to play a song by Bassist Wilders. We believe for it. And after the song, I believe the Lord will speak to us very briefly. In the course of our word, the Lord will, I believe the Lord will bring us. I want us to look at the book of Esther this morning. Since we are looking at the Esther decree, we just want to look at an aspect of that Esther decree this morning and how the Lord averted things. Um, some very just little components of that Esther decree is what we want to look at this morning. And we trust the Almighty God to minister to us as we look at some few components of that Esther decree this morning. And after sharing, I would like Dr. Miriam Mutabasi to receive the word on our behalf. And then after that, we're going to invite Pastor Kim to lead us in prayer as the Spirit of the Lord we lead him to to lead us in prayer. Dr. Miriam will help us to receive the word after the word is ministered. And then after that, we're going to go to the sessions of prayer and the pastor came will help us lead us to pray as the Spirit of God will lead him. And then we'll come back to share the grace. I believe by the next one hour, the Lord is going to visit us. The Lord is going to reach out to us. And I trust him that he will bless us through his word. So I'm going to share my screen right now. And then a plus song, hallelujah. Amen and amen. Lord, indeed, we believe you for it. We celebrate your majesty. We exalt you, O God. You are indeed God, and there is no one else to be compared to you. You are faithful, you are holy, you are wonderful, you are mighty. Our faith is in you, trust is in you, because we believe you are the God of the impossible. This morning, we're gonna be jogging a couple of scriptures as I will be taking us through in the book of Esther. Trust in the Lord that the Lord will speak to us what he has for us in the book of Esther. There are a couple of scenarios that we see in the book of Esther. I'm gonna share my screen so that we read from the New King James Version. But within, I think I wanna give myself 25 minutes to try as much as possible not to exceed that time they made God helping me, the Holy Spirit helping me. That we look at different scenarios in the book of Esther and look at the various ways that the Lord in his fitness of mercy helped Esther, Kai, the people of his the Jewish community 
to be able to overcome the challenge of the decree of the king. Of course, we all know how, how powerful the decree of the king of the, the Median and the Persian was in those days. And especially when it is sealed with the seal of the king's ring, it is irreversible, absolutely irreversible. But there are some elements that play, that there were at play in the book of Esther that we want to pray into this morning. The Bible says in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 37, Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 7 says, Who is he that speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not? commanded it. The Lord our God can never be held in a box whereby we say, oh, for this reason, there's no way out. That's why we say we we'll believe for it because as far as the Lord our God is concerned, there's no impossibility with the Lord God. When you look at the situation in that book of Esther, it seems as if it is a situation that rises from bad to worse. And from worse to worse, oh, this is the end of the road. But there's nothing like the end of the road with the Lord, our God, and our King. And that's what we want to look at this morning. It's Lamentation chapter 3, verse 37. Verse 37, 37, 37. Thank you, Sister Joe. So we are going to look at, we're just going to pick very quickly a couple of thoughts from the book of Esther. We look at the Esther decree and see how that situation was navigated. The elements that turn around the situation to bring the name of the Lord to be glorified. They were key components of faith. We see faith, we see the favor of God, we see the wisdom of God, we see mentorship, we see submission to leadership. These are all the key components that put together were able to earn the Jews the victory that they needed in a situation that appears to be irreversible. We could also see also victory over the enemy, dealing with what needs to be dealt with in every step. And eventually, of course, victory came because they had to fight for victory. The victory did not even come on a platter of gold to them. They still have to fight. All right, but right from the beginning to the very end of the book of Esther, there were key components of faith that we need to look at as time will permit us, trusting the Lord to help us to take us through. And we can see how we can bring this situation in all the places of influence that the Lord our God has placed us as men and women of God, particularly as watchmen. We as watchmen, we must believe that God has called us to be the influencer of the situation and circumstances in our domain, in that place where the Lord has placed us, in that place where the Lord has made us to sit upon a tower. As watchmen upon the tower, we are the ones to be able to see in two areas. We see into the camp of the enemy, we see into the household of God. We stand in between. We see what the enemy is bringing up. We alert the people of God. Get ready. Oh, there is peace coming. There is blessing coming. There is favor coming. All the warfare coming. Get ready. Get your arms ready. Warfare is coming. And we are also the one that be able to appeal before the court of grace, standing on behalf of the people of God, seeking the face of the Lord for your divine intervention. So we want to look at some of these elements as time will permit us, because the time is really 
quite limited in this time and see how God Almighty will help us to go through a few elements in the book of Esther and looking at the Esther decree this morning. And these few things that we're going to look at, I believe the Lord God Almighty will use it to, to take us his agenda also for the continent of Africa. Because we know this is a time that Africa is going through a really very challenging season. As many of us are aware, we know that uh, just yesterday, six nations, six countries on the continent of Africa had demonstrations and protests for various reasons all across the continent. On the 20th of March until yesterday, South Africa did, Nigeria did. We had here in Kenya on Monday. Yes, that was on Monday. Sorry, on Monday, not yesterday. Monday, 20th of March. Uh, six countries had protests and demonstrations all across the continent of Africa. We have South Africa, we have Nigeria, where I live in Kenya. We have also the Gambia, we have Senegal, we have Tunisia. Six countries, Senegal and Tunisia, all on the same day. And all of these things do not happen accidentally. They must have been coordinated one way or the other to be able to cause chaos. Our nation, Kenya, the vice president said, for that day alone, the nation lost almost 2 billion shillings in terms of revenue that was supposed to come to the nation for that day. That was a huge loss to the nation. But what can we say? The Lord, our God, is still on the throne. He's going to see us through. Let me share my screen very quickly. Within the little time I have, let's see what we can be able to cover as we look at that degree of an Esther decree. Now, this is the beginning of the story of, of Esther. The first thing we see on the title is that the king dethrones Queen Vashti. Here we see pride and lack of submission, which are of course causes the throne of Queen Vashti. But because our emphasis this morning is not really focusing on that aspect, we want to really go on to the story. And then we look at also how the Lord raised Esther to become the king, to become the next queen. There are two elements that were at play for Esther to become the king. Let me read from verse one. After this thing, when the wrath of king was subsided, he remembered Vashti when she, what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's servant who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be served for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that he may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, into the woman's quarters, under the custody of Hegai, the king's funeral, custodian of the woman. I want us to take note of that gentleman called Hegai, the king who is the custodian of the woman. I'm going to underline that because he is also a very important part of the preparation of God's agenda for Esther, Haggai, the king's dinner. So, of course, the Bible says the king plays the king. And then, of course, let's run out to now Mordecai. And then in verse 7, and Mordecai had brought up Adassa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful when her father and mother died. Mordecai took her as his own daughter. You also see the ministry of Mordecai. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shusha, the citadel, under the custody of Hegai, 
that Esther also was taken to the king's palace in the care to into the care of Igai, the custodian of the woman. Now verse nine. Now the young woman pleased him. The young woman pleased Hegai, and she obtained his favor. So he readily gave beauty preparation for her beside her enemies. So we see two elements in the life of Esther, the ministry of Hegai, whom the Lord granted her favor before, and the mentorship of Mordecai. So it was Mordecai who prepared her for the entrance into the position of becoming the queen of Israel. Now, of course, I want us to jump because I really want us to focus on the decree. But these two people are very important, Hegai and Mordecai. Hegai, God granted Esther favor before Hegai, so much so that she made sure that everything that Esther needed to fulfill destiny was available. It was not only the beauty alone. She needed to be well prepared for that role of becoming the next queen of the biggest nation on the earth at that time. Of course, we also see the mentorship and the preparation of Mordecai, who is our mentor, to be able to get her ready in all other aspects. But these two people help her in the fulfillment of her destiny of becoming the next king. Now, here we are. This is really where we're going because in the interest of time, Haman's conspiracy against the Jews. After this king, Azarus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadetha, the Agagites, and advanced him and set the seat above all princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Now the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them, that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. Would stand. For Mordecai, I told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Assyrians, the people of Mordecai. Now, we look at now the foundation of the contention between Haman and Mordecai. It was all about principle. Mordecai was a Jew who do not try to worship him or bow to human. It's against the Lord of the Jews to worship a human being, to bow to worship. A human is a form of worship as far as the Jews are concerned. And all the worship that is that a Jew must, must subscribe to must be a worship to the living God. But in this instance, a man demands that worship. And of course, when he noticed that Mordecai was not going to agree to that, now he said, you are just too small for me to deal with. I'm going to deal with everyone, everything who tried all of the people, tending those who are within your, all the Jews, just put it like that. So this is the beginning of the warfare that we're dealing with. So Haman have to now create a story to create the contention, to create what he need to do to make what he planned to be achieved, his plan to be achieved. Verse eight and nine 
of the book of Esther chapter 3 said that Amon said to King Nazareth, there's a sad people, but of course we remember that they gave a gift, of course, to the king, whatever it is. It says the Haman came to King Azeros. There's a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people. All the provinces of your kingdom, their laws are different from all other peoples, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries. Wow. So a promise to bring 10,000 talents of silver into the treasuries of the king once the king can make that decree. So we see again the, the element of bribery, the element of, of, of satanic influences to make this decree to be established. So the king took a signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Amedata the Agagai, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. Now here, it seems as if, he says in verse nine, I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hand of those who do the work. That's what he said in verse nine for them to bring that money into the king's treasury. That's what verse 9 says. Anyway, to cut, cut the long story short, it was, the decree was made, and then it was sealed that on a certain day, all the Jews will be destroyed. Now, verse 4, very, very quickly, I see my time is running very quickly. When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there were great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Now, the first approach to the turning around of the decree of the king was a man who would take responsibility. A man who would take responsibility. God raised Mordecai to be the man who at that time, even though he was what we just call a gatekeeper. But then the Lord has given him the anointing to be a leader. He took responsibility as a leader. And in every time that God is about to do something, God always raised someone who will take up responsibility to stand on behalf of God's own people. And this is the first element that we see in the turning around of this decree of the king. He himself, he went into fasting. He put on sackcloth and ashes. And then by him, he also was able to let all other people, of course, when they had the decree of the king, everybody was perplexed because it was a very challenging situation. So Esther's maiden came and told her, and the king was deeply, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent Carmen to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept it. Then Esther called Hattash, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend to her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. Now we gave the seed 
the person of Esther. A person who did not forget about her. A person who is still connected to the source that brought her to the place of glory where she is. She still maintained that connection. And that was why she was able, even though she didn't hear what happened, when she heard what had happened to her mentor, her father, Mordecai, immediately she sent to him, tell me what is going on. And then Mordecai told him in verse 7, Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was attrition. Then Esther spoke to Artish and gave a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's prophets know that any man or woman who goes into the court to the king who has not been called, he has but one more. Put all of them to death, except for one thing, to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may leave. Yet I myself have not been called to go to the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's word. But es Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arrive from the Jew from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Now, very quickly. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Okay, then go. Gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days. My maids and I will fast also. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I want to stop there because of time. Now, let's look at the conversation between Mordecai and Esther. Number one, Esther still remained connected to the source that brought out of the place of influence. And of course, she was able to face the reality of the situation. She cannot go to the presence of the king except she's called. And for 30 days prior to that time, she has not been called to the presence of the king. Which means that if she were to go to the presence of the king, if the king did not stretch to her, the golden scepter is going to be at the cost of her life. Number one, she made Mordecai to know her situation. But despite that, the man Mordecai, the man of faith, still believed. He said, you need to do something about it. But peradventure, you choose not to do anything about it. Number one, know that you yourself are not entirely free from the repercussion or for whatever is going to happen to us because yourself you are a Jew. And number two, one way or the other, relief and deliverance will still come to God. Mordecai was a father, a mentor who is a man of faith, a man like Abraham, a man full of faith. And it was the faith that was soaked in his word probably, that propelled the thought and what Esther came up with. Because look at the two contents of what Mordecai said in verse 13 and verse 14. He said, don't you think that you will escape, number one, yourself, number four, verse 14. But if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from another place. We don't know how, but we are sure that one way or the other, deliverance will come to us. That is a father of faith. That is a man, that is a who will be used by God 
to feel or to, to release the spirit of faith into those he or she is mentoring. And that, of course, influenced the action and the decision of the Queen Esther. He said, in that case, then go ahead and pray. Because let's remember, she had been mentored by Mordecai. She must have felt the power of prayer and fasting and waiting on the Lord. She knew if we were to go to the presence of the king without being invited, it could be very disastrous. But because she believed in the power of faith and prayer, she asked, you go ahead and pray. I will take this. Number one, she herself was a woman of faith. It takes faith to believe in the power of prayer. It takes faith to believe that we could take a very bold step even in the face of death. That is the expression of faith. And that is another key thing we see that it was work here. Then another thing we see in the life of Esther was wisdom. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10, it said for wisdom is profitable to give direction in the old kingdom version. Wisdom is proof to give direction. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal apple, stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on the royal throne in the royal house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. Time will not permit me to talk in a lot about the golden scepter. That was the hand of faith, of favor of God. The people, the unwriting of God's favor was upon Esther. Because number one, she has a team of watchmen, a team of intercessors, a team of prayer warriors that were holding her in the place of prayer before the Lord. Herself was fasting and prayer. All her maids were fasting and praying. Mordecai and all his team were fasting and praying. And we see the power of prayer and fasting there. He was able to clothe her with the garment of favor that the king stretched out the golden scepter. And that was the beginning of the turnaround. But let's look at the way Queen Esther approached the situation. Look at what she said in verse 3 and verse 4. And the king said, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? What can I do for you? But verse 4, so Esther said, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I've prepared for you. Wow. I want to stop there because I see that my time is running because so that we can focus on a little thing that we need to look at. Some key points in this situation. Number one, we see the mentorship of Mordecai. We see the mentorship of Mordecai, a man of faith, a man of prayer. And I believe that in the course of nurturing that, he must have allowed Esther to see the power of faith and prayer. And that was the same thing he projected to her at that situation, when they were facing this very challenging situation. Number one, he said, don't think you are exempted. Number two, one way or the other, the Lord, our God, can still make a way for us. All right? But now when Esther was going to approach the situation, we see the place of the wisdom of God. That's why the Bible says wisdom is better than the weapon of war. It's that by wisdom make war. It's by wisdom make war. Now look at where does that, that divine wisdom came from? Proverbs chapter 2, 
verse 6. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord God giveth wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. He said, For the Lord God giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, Daniel 2, 21 says, For the Lord God make, he is the one that make, he give wisdom to the wise, and he give knowledge to the men of understanding. When we seek the face of the Lord and we seek him for solution, one of the key things that God uses to give us solution, number one is faith. Faith was at work in the turnaround of this decree. Number two, divine favor of God was at work. It was at work to be able to propel to the place of him becoming the king. It was at work to be able to let the golden scepter to be stretched out of her. That was the work of divine favor. It was at work to allow the king to listen to her because the favor of God makes people to cooperate with you. That's what the favor of God does. Number three, we said the divine wisdom of God. That's how, how Esther was able to come up with this scenario of creating a banquet inviting the king and Haman to come to the banquet. It's just so amazing. And she didn't do it the first time. And then the second time, he also called for a banquet again. And we see the progression until the point that it was a set up for Haman. When Haman was feeling that, wow, he is now on top of the game. He has not only gained favor with the king, he has also gained the favor with the queen. That was when he was taken out. That was the place of wisdom of God. And that is how God was able to help the people of Israel or the Jews. But it didn't hang there. It is important for the enemy to be taken out first. So look at the strategy that Esther applied. Number one, to gain and secure the favor of the king. The banquet was to gain and to secure to solemnize that favor she had with the king. Number two was to get the enemy out. In the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 73 to 75. Luke 1, 73, verse 75. Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, it said the odds that he swore with Abraham, our father, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemy might serve him in holiness and righteousness, all of the days of our life. Now, it's important for us to understand that God knows the place of the enemy in standing against the purpose of God, in accomplishing the purpose of God. So spiritual warfare is very important. So Esther knows that the enemy must be taken out of the way first. So the scheme and the wisdom that God gave to him was first deal with the Haman. Get rid of the Haman first. And they will face the decree. So the banquet was set up to face the first order. The first order is get out the enemy. Remove the enemy. And in that Luke chapter 1, of the way, it said God himself says that. He said he must deliver us from the arms of our enemy that we might be able to serve him. As long as the enemy is there to manipulate situation. To manipulate circumstances, it's going to be difficult for us to have a freedom of worship as we desire. And that is why we see the place of spiritual warfare 
He said, the weapon of our warfare not can help, but mind to go through the pulling down of strongholds. You must get out the adverse, out of the way for the purpose of God to be accomplished. So the wisdom of God that God gave to Esther was number one, get rid of the enemy. She did not first deal with the decree. She dealt with the enemy who was behind the decree. And that is the wisdom that God gave Esther. In dealing with the enemy, who was the source of the decree. And as long as the enemy is there, still in the space of the king, it will be very difficult. It can still go behind and begin to influence situations and circumstances. So you need to deal with him first. And that's why the spiritual warfare is so important. That we need to get out of our space. Every manipulation, every force of evil that is trying to consistently keep things in chaos, keep things in discord. And once we do that, we can be able to get the wisdom of God to deal with the situation. Because of time this morning, I want to round up here. But of course we know that Esther says, this is the enemy. This is the one who was behind all of that decree. And of course, you say, what? You want to destroy my wife and her people? And why the king was angry and he got out? Guess what? He man ran onto the bed of the king to plead with the queen. And by the time the king was going to come in, lo and behold, Mr. Haman was on the bed of the king. What? And was like, do you want to rape the queen in my presence? That was the end of Haman. God took him out. Now, immediately after he was taken out. Now, how was the decree reversed? Another place here, we see the wisdom of God that was at play. That it was another higher decree that could be able to, because the decree of the Shusha cannot be reversed. So there must be another decree that must be able to counteract the other decree. Because the other decree cannot be changed. There's nothing can be done about it. Again, we see the place of the wisdom of God. And so you make another, I love that, but time is not my hand this morning. But the key point here is this, beloved people of God, as we rise around because I would like our sister Mary to help us to receive this word this morning. That's number one. As far as the Lord our God is concerned, there is nothing called impossibility. For with the Lord our God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, there's nothing called a dead road. There's nothing called a dead road as far as the Lord our God is concerned. But the element of success, when we are contending with very difficult situations, number one, who is your mentor? Who is guiding you? Under who? And who is ministering to you? People who have gone ahead of you. People who have been in the warfare longer than you. People who are in the ministry longer than you. Who are you submitted? Who is imparting on you? Through the, the, by virtue of the length of their time in the presence of God. I always tell those who are mentors, I said, uh, uh, you guys may be richer than me. I always tell them, you guys may be richer than me, but you don't buy experience on the field. You don't go to the supermarket to buy experience. Some of us have been in ministry. Of course, I said I'm young. I'm 30, about 30 years in ministry. 
But for that 30 years of working God, of becoming a man of God, of being a minister, a minister in the gospel, of a minister of gospel for 30 years of my year on earth, I have learned a little bit from God. And those things I learned, you don't buy them in the supermarket. They are through the consistency of my work with God. And then you need a mentor. And there are those who are mentoring us have been in ministry for 50 years, for over 40 years. We still listen to them. Because what they're also going to bring into my space, I may never have been able to think about it. The place of mentorship is spiritual warfare. Then we see the place of fasting and prayer to seek the face of God. Then we see the place of the favor of God and the wisdom of God. All of these principles being applied together was able to turn around a difficult situation and to make it a solution. But the Lord God bless us and give us the grace to apply all of these salient principles. The place of faith, mentorship, wisdom, favor and strategy to be able to prevail. Sister Miriam, his efforts to receive the word and then Pastor came lead us in prayer. Over to you, ma'am. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We see that the continent is under siege. First, it was military coups. Now it is the people who are rebelling in different cities. Lord God Almighty, you are, we know you have raised Esther's, oh Lord, for the sake of this continent, for the sake of your people on this land and i pray in the name of jesus that lord you will connect us to the mordecai mordecai's that you have nurtured as the pastor has taught there are men who have known you for many years oh lord let them may they nurture us oh god into taking up lord the action and seeking for your wisdom oh lord for the things that must be done to set this continent free to set our people free lord and set us on course almighty god father to redeem the land and the peoples, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Miriam. The Lord bless you, ma'am. Pastor Kim, over to you, sir. Please, you are muted. Pastor Kim, you need to unmute so that we can take some time. Over to you, sir. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Mike, Mike, for the word that you shared. Thank God for the wisdom and the grace is given you to share that. I have some prayer points listed on the chat that we can take on and just pray. The first is that the Lord will touch the pains and the wounds of Africa. The, I know that every people in all nations have some pains that they go through and for different reasons. And we just we're hearing of protests in Africa and some of this come because of pains from poverty, pains from oppression, pains from all kinds of things. I'd just like us to unmute and pray in the time that we have that the Lord will touch the pains of people in Africa. He knows how to touch nations. Let's just say at this time, we can unmute and pray. However, the Lord touches you, but let's take on those prayer points. Father, we just ask the Thank Lord. you, Father God. Thank you, God. Just remove the anguish from her poverty, healer from her abandonment, oppression, wickedness, corruption, and greed. Will you be a father to Africa? Will you embrace Africa? Will you be a father to Africa? Will you remove the orphan heart and replace it with sunshine? Jesus, Jesus, name we pray. 
Amen. So can I just ask two people, two people to pray? Can I just ask two people to pray at this time? The first person will pray and ask that the pains of Africa will drive Africa to God. Yeah. When Esther and Mordecai felt pain in the land, they had to fast, they had to pray that the pains of Africa would not just, yeah, protest and the revolution have their parts, but that these things would drive us to God. Mm -hmm. And then someone else is going to pray for a spiritual awakening in Africa that will cause, that will push darkness back that is trying to overtake this continent. Amen. So open, just one, two people who can pray before we, we close this morning. Could I pray for the pain? Heavenly Father, I just thank you that it is through your great kindness that you bring us to repentance. And I want to pray for our dear brethren in the continent of Africa, Father, for your spirit of conviction unto repentance to come upon those who are deeply suffering, on those who have deep spiritual pain in their souls, pain in their bodies, Lord, that there would be a cry that would come up to heaven as happened with the people of Israel under the bondage of slavery. And they would cry out to you for your deliverance. Those who've known you in the past, Father, they would repent of backsliding and whatever doors that you show them that they've opened. And that, Heavenly Father, there would be a returning back to God. And I'm just thinking of Hosea 14, Father. We speak the mercy, the compassion of the heart of the Father to those with orphan hearts, Lord. Those who have sinned. And you said, if you would bring before me the iniquities of your forefathers, I will heal you. I will deliver you. If you will say to me, we have looked to other gods and idols and powers like Assyria or Egypt that the Israel people did, Lord, whoever Africa has looked to, to help and for power and mammon and authority, that Father, and that they would say, we will no longer use these idols or make idols with our hands. You said, I will heal them. I will redeem them. I will restore them. I will revive them. And that Ephraim would even say, what have I got to do with idols anymore? I pray these people who have been in such pain, you would come and bind up their broken hearts. They would be so grateful. They would have the fear of the Lord as you release them from the prisons, release them from the addictions, release them from whatever the agony is of broken relationships and broken covenant. And they would say, we don't want idols anymore. And that you would give them the reverential fear of the Lord that they will backslide no longer, but totally be your bride with wholehearted allegiance and adoration of you, the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, we'll have someone else pray. Father, I thank you that, that you say, without you drawing us, Father, we cannot come and really get the revelation and see really Jesus Christ as who he is, your son, Father. And I thank you that you draw home our Father, your sons and daughters in Africa, so that you can pour out, you reconcile them in full unto you, Father, that you 
can pour out your anointing, Lord Jesus, that you are just the anointing dripping over them, dripping to them, Lord, that you enlighten them, Father, that because that, only the anointing is where they see, they get the wisdom and also can they can step into walking in you, in the spirit and truth, Lord. Thank you that your anointing breaks the yoke of darkness and bondage and, and pushes out the darkness and the darkness has to flee for the shifting situation, shifting, pulling out strongholds in, in regions, in families, Father. Thank you that your anointing breaks the yoke of darkness and nullifying all the power of the enemy. Thank you for your release. Thank you for this plan, Father, in such a time as this, Father, that you are releasing this download from heaven, Father. You're raising up, you're bursting forth, you're bringing forth your sons and daughters to fully connect the fullness, the abundance, the wholeness of God, Jesus Christ, to be released in your sons and daughters stepping into their position. Thank you, Father. You're raising up Mordechai's. Father, you made you awaken Mordechai's to be bold, to stand up and to step into their position, to step into the gates of these cities in Africa of the countries, Lord, of the 54 countries in Africa and seeking you, Lord, and, and discipling your sons and daughters and mentoring to step in faith. Father, thank you for releasing faith and faith in abundance in Africa for Africa to arise, arise together as one nation standing with Israel, Father. Thank you, you empower them for your Holy Spirit from all the corners, north, south, west, and east, really to blow into your people to arise. This eagle, Father, this prophetic movement to arise and to be bold and stand up in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for unity and really for your power, Abba Father. It's a movement that you are doing and the enemy cannot, the enemy has to run in seven ways in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Father, we just thank you again and ask that as you have done, as you did for the Jews in the book of Esther, Lord, we ask that you will raise Esthers and Mordecais in African nations. Those who know you and those who have the wisdom, those who have, who know what to do in times like this. Lord, we pray that the spirit of Haman that is terrorizing nations in Africa will be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask also, Lord, that even as we move into a new month in the Jewish calendar, Lord, we pray that in this new month, oh Lord, you will break burdens, you will break yokes, you will cause a release from bondage in African nations. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for hearing us and answering our prayer. Lord, we thank you for all who are joining Africa to pray at this time. Lord, we also pray that you will touch their lives, touch their families and touch their nations, oh God. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. In Jesus Christ's name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen and amen. Let me give us the share the benediction. May the Lord God bless you and may the Lord God keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord leave the light of his countenance upon you. And may the Lord God grant you his peace, his shalom. Amen. 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 God bless you all.
Thank you all for joining Africa Watch. The Lord bless you all. Bye, bye, bye everyone. Bye. Shalom. 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 Bye. 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 Bye.